It will be helpful if we begin this sermon by remembering and by affirming a bedrock Christian claim, which is that Jesus was subject to all human emotions and experiences. This is what St. John means when he says that the Word became flesh. He means that God became one with us, that God became one of us. For Jesus was tempted in every way as are we, writes the author of the letter to the Hebrews. The point here being Jesus knew fear. Jesus knew anxiety. Jesus knew stress. Jesus knew insecurity. Jesus knew heartbreak. Jesus knew self-doubt. For such is the human condition. So to experience a life without these emotions would be to live a life that is decidedly something other than human. Thus, when John writes that God took on flesh and dwelt among us, this is what he means. He means that in the person of Jesus, God divested himself of his divinity, emptied himself of it, as St. Paul writes to the Philippians. And took on, as Paul says, human likeness. And I begin this way this morning simply so as to say that remembering that, both for the purposes of this sermon and for the purposes of daily Christian living, I begin the sermon this way simply so as to say that remembering this is Vital. Okay, enough about that. We had a really stressful morning this week at our house. Really stressful morning. Now that said, with four kids under the age of 10, every morning at our house is stressful, chaotic, out of control, a hot, ever-loving mess. You pick the description you like. But I bring up this particular morning because this particular morning was more stressful than usual. You see, in the middle of the night, one of our kids had woken up sick. And somehow in the middle of the same night, our new puppy had also gotten sick. Now I'll spare you the details of what I mean by had gotten sick. But suffice it to say that we found ourselves cleaning carpets and floors and walls, cleaning them of ungodly things and doing it at an ungodly hour. And we therefore got hardly any sleep that night. And what's more, the demands of the following morning were even greater than usual. And moreover, both of us had fully packed days ahead of us that day, and we had little to no energy to face the day with, let alone any clear picture of how we were going to juggle our schedules to make sure that one of us could be home at all times with our sick kid. Okay, I think I'm done whining and venting about this now. 
Now, I only bring this up so as to impress upon you this. When I pulled out of the driveway that morning to get the non-sick kids to school, I was feeling the full range of human emotions. Stress, anxiety, fear, not the least bit of irritation, insecurity. The last words that April and I had exchanged with each other before I'd hurriedly left the house had been an on-the-spot negotiation of who should do what. You go, she yelled, throwing me the keys as she went running back to attend to our sick kid. You go, I've got things here. And off she went one way, and off I went the other way, both of us instinctively doing what we had to do in order to take care of and to look out for and to protect our family. Yes, Jesus was human like us. In the Gospels, we see Jesus hungry. We see him anxious. We see him sad. We see him angry, we see him irritable, we see him bereft. And while we see him in all of these ways, we tend to quickly forget that. Which is to say, we tend to quickly forget how much like us he really was. Which is why I wanted to remind us of this reality as we look today on this baptism of the Lord Sunday and Mark's portrayal of Jesus' baptism, because you see his humanity is central to our understanding and fully appreciating this story. Jesus, Mark writes, went out to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. Quote, and just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the Spirit descending like a dove upon him, and he heard a voice from heaven saying, You are my Son, my beloved, with you I am well pleased. He saw the Spirit descending, quote, like a dove. And then he heard a voice saying, quote, I love you. In his book, Prototype, what happens when you discover you're more like Jesus than you think? Pastor Jonathan Martin reflects on this moment of Jesus' baptism. And he writes this, which you can read along with me if you turn to the silent meditation at the top of your order of worship. Many times in the Old Testament, Martin writes, God refers to human beings as his beloved. But when God called Jesus his beloved, Jesus did something truly remarkable. He believed him. And he lived every moment of his life fully convinced of his identity. I want us to pause and reflect on this profound insight. 
Numerous times throughout the scriptures, God refers to human beings as beloved. But Jesus, unlike the rest of them, unlike the rest of us, Jesus not only hears this pronouncement, but Jesus believed it. And not only did he believe it, he then lived his entire life in light of it. Bringing me back now to that anxious morning April and I experienced this week. And to that final exchange that she and I had before dividing and conquering the hot mess of our morning. You go, she yelled, throwing the keys to me. I got things here. That's where I left off in the story. Well, here's the rest of the story. Once I had the non-sick children safely in the car and had pulled out of our neighborhood, peering all the while through the fraction of windshield that I'd had time to scrape free of ice, driving like Ace Ventura, for those of you who know that reference. Once I'd turned out of the neighborhood and begun my journey up Calhoun Street, I immediately had to come to a stop of a family of deer that was in the process of crossing the road. Now these first deer to cross, these deer were young, not babies, but clearly young. And by the time I'd come to a stop, they were already safely on the other side. But what was suddenly holding up traffic, though, was that there in the middle of the street were two adult deer both of whom had just realized that the smallest of the deer, the one that was clearly still a baby, just a little fawn, was still stranded back over on the other side. Now it's hard to describe the brief chaotic scene that then ensued, but suffice it to say that both of the adult deer then became suddenly frantic. Their body language expressing their uncertainty concerning who should do what. Until just as suddenly one of the adult deer leapt across the street to where the first three deer had already gone, while the other deer frantically sprinted back to the marooned fawn. And that was that. The road was now clear, and I was able to drive again, and off I went in my own frantic urgency. And as I drove, still no less anxious and no less irritable than I had previously been, I nonetheless thought to myself, how sweet, how sweet. You've been very patient with this overly long story, here's the point. As I drove onward, It suddenly occurred to me that here had been a family of six, just like mine. And that here had been two parents anxiously doing their best to look out for and take care of their children, just as April and I were doing. And that therefore what I had just witnessed, and what I had thought to myself was exceedingly sweet, that this was, in fact, the very essence of that which was presently bringing me so much stress and anxiety and irritation. 
And that's when it hit me. Is this not the essence of what Mark is pointing us to in today's gospel lesson? The essence, that is, of what Jesus experienced that day in the Jordan River. The Spirit descended, quote, like a dove that day, Mark writes. And in that dove, Jesus was reminded anew of his belovedness by God. Suddenly reflecting on this, I was then reminded of Genesis chapter 1, of the Spirit hovering over everything. And then at God's directive, descending in all manner of ways to bring forth life and shape and texture and color, all of which God then pronounces beloved, very good. This, it suddenly occurred to me, this is how God reminds us, God's creation, how crazy about us God really is. How we need not be overly anxious. How we need not be overly fearful. How we need not be riddled with insecurities. How we need not be stymied by self-doubt. The Spirit descends to remind us of this, I realized. The Spirit descended at the dawn of creation... And the Spirit descended at Jesus' baptism, and the Spirit has descended every single day since the beginning of time. Yes, the Spirit descends on us, and to us, and for us. And who knows what form it may take when it does. Mind you, Mark didn't say the Spirit was a dove. Mark said the Spirit descended like a dove. Well, early Thursday morning, the Spirit descended for me like a deer. Like a family of deer. And as Jesus with the dove, so too did I interpret in that descent a clear message saying, calm down, just breathe, it's all okay, you are loved, be at peace. Jesus, Jonathan Martin writes, did something quite remarkable when he heard those words from God. He believed them. No less susceptible to gnawing fears and anxieties and insecurities and self-doubts than are we. Jesus nonetheless believed these words and he lived his life in light of them and that made all the difference. How might the Spirit be descending for us today, dear family? What unique forms might the Spirit be assuming this very day in order to remind us how beloved we are and how well-pleased God is with us 
despite the shortcomings that daily cripple us with fears of unworthiness, how might the Spirit be descending upon us this very day? Dear family, may we, like Jesus, believe what God has told us. And may we have eyes to see His Spirit's descent when He graciously assumes different forms in order to remind us. And all God's people said,